This is our fifth session of Look at the Book, focusing on the question, what is the, the good news of Christianity in six biblical steps? The reason we're taking six steps to explain one good news is because in order to understand any claim to be good news, you need to know the situation, and we've seen now... Number one, that God created us for his glory. Two, therefore it is man's joyful duty to live for the glory of God. Three, nevertheless, all of us have failed to glorify God as we should. And four, we are therefore thus found to be dead in our trespasses. We're spiritually uh, unable to respond the way we should. And we are under God's condemnation. And now in this session, everything turns from these four settings of sorrow to this spectacular news. And there are lots of passages to look at here. So let's move quickly God sent his son, his one and only son, his divine son, his co-eternal son, as the Bible teaches. God sent his son to save sinners, that's us in our deadness and our condemnation, to save sinners from their hopeless condition of deadness and condemnation and bring us to God our eternal joy. So let's look at passages so that that will ring true, not because of my words, but because of God's words. The first epistle of Paul to Timothy, chapter 1, verse 15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. Paul couldn't get over the fact that he had once been a persecutor of the church and God was willing to save even him who had been responsible for the torture and death of Christians. And if he can save Paul, he can save anybody. That's the point of saying that he's the foremost. So he came into the world to save sinners. Here's the way Jesus put it in John three seventeen. for God did not send his son into the world to condemn, not, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him, saved from condemnation, saved from death that we are in. How in the world does this happen? Mark ten forty five. Jesus speaking, he often called himself, this was his favorite self-designation, he called himself the Son of Man. The Son of Man came not to be served, not to be served, but to serve, how? And to give his life as a ransom for many. So he's going to lay down his life, and that life is going to function as a ransom. That is a payment that somehow, in some way, rescues us from bondage and slavery. Here's the way Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 puts it. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, the good news, 
that I preached to you, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. There's the key. He just didn't die by accident. He didn't die with no purpose. He came to die specifically as a ransom for us to lay his life down. And now Paul says it is for our sins that he died in accordance with the scriptures. That is, as the Old Testament predicted, that he was buried, that he was raised. If he hadn't been raised from the dead, we'd be still in our sins, Paul says, on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Now, how does dying for our sins actually work? What, what more specific does the Bible say about this? Let's go back 700 years and watch the prophet Isaiah predict the coming of Christ and this great substitution work for us. He gave himself as a substitute. He was wounded for our transgressions. So he was wounded for our transgressions. That's what we mean by substitution. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. Oh, have we ever. Nobody has lived the way we should, and we would all be hopelessly condemned under God's just wrath if he hadn't done this. We have turned everyone to his own way. That's how we live apart from Christ, selfish own way. And the Lord, what did he do? Laid on him. His son, Jesus, the servant that he's sending into the world, the Lord God laid on him the iniquity of us all. So our sins are taken and they are laid on this Lamb of God and he bears them and dies for us. Here's the way Peter puts it in chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins. He bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Here's the way Paul puts it in Galatians 3, 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, because the law said that if you disobey, you're going to be punished, you're going to perish. And how did he do it? By becoming a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on the tree. So there's the substitution. We deserve the curse of the law. Christ bears the curse of the law for us. Now, the question is, what benefits come to us because of this sacred substitution, this transaction? And here are about five or six. So Ephesians chapter two, we get life. God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So when Christ was raised from the dead, we who believe on Christ were raised from the dead spiritually, and now we have life. And what kind of life? The wages of sin, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
What more? 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake, God made him, Jesus, to be sin. He made him to be sin. He, he treated him as though he were sin, who knew no sin. He had never sinned. Why? So that in him, in union with him, we might become the righteousness of God. So we had sinned, and God puts that on Jesus. And Jesus had righteousness, and he puts that on us. This is the great exchange. He knew no sin. God made him to be sin so that we might become the very righteousness of God. So it isn't just that our sins are forgiven and taken away and we're a blank slate. No, our sins are taken away and we are counted as righteous because of Christ. And therefore, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the last step, are we just floating in heaven with no sin and full of righteousness? No. God is in heaven, and when we go there, we go to God. Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. This is the great end of our salvation. We come home to God. And why is that good news? Because God is everything. God is the most beautiful and the greatest being in the universe. We were made to be with him. And here's what we have when we're with him. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. God is the kind of being for whom our souls were made so that in his presence, joy can get no greater, pleasures can get no longer. So they are full and they are forever. So let's sum it up. God created us for his glory. Therefore, it is our duty to live for the glory of God. Nevertheless, all of us have failed to glorify God as we should. We are thus found to be dead in our trespasses and under just condemnation. And nevertheless, the greatest news in all the world, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save sinners from their hopeless condition of deadness and their condition of condemnation. So our spiritual inward condition is overcome. We are no longer dead. We're made alive in Christ. And our legal condition of guilt and condemnation is remedied by a just penalty being poured out on Jesus on our behalf. And we are thus brought home to God, our eternal joy, which leaves one great question. How can I have all this? And that's our last session.